The Derek and Mike Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate you being here. Join us on Twitter at Derek and Mike Pod or hit us up on the website, DerekandMike.com. My name is Mike. This is my boy, Derek. What's up, Mike? What's up, everybody? Derek, do you like Coldplay? Oh, boy. My first reaction is kind of like a no-ish. Yeah. But um, I think there have been a couple songs that they've done that I didn't mm. really like. So I can't right, like, so, totally crap on them. But. So upon further consideration, yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. All right. Well, a couple, yeah, uh, kind of. Uh-huh. So for me, I am a bandwagon hater, to be totally truthful. Uh, I've made fun of them. I, I haven't like actively done anything to hate on them, but I've definitely always responded to that sort of a question anytime they come up or whatever with, oh, God, Coldplay sucks, dude, they fucking suck, all this kind of shit. But really, when I boil it down, it's, I think it just is cool to hate Coldplay. Uh, And so I've jumped on that bandwagon, and uh, I'm not proud of it, but it's the truth. Yeah, Um, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. And some of their songs are not terrible. It's really not my style of music, so I can't say, like, all right, I like them, I'm a closet lover, but I'm a, a social hater. Nothing like that. It's really not my style of music, but they're fine. Whatever. They're a good band, you know. Uh, I don't have a lot of opinion about them uh, other than my bandwagon hating of them. So um, they came up in a story that I thought was pretty fucking cool. And it doesn't make me like their music anymore, but it makes me like them a little bit. I I, I like them. Maybe it's the singer. Maybe it's the whole band. I don't know. But they did a thing where they are... Apparently, they stopped touring because touring is like bad for the environment uh or he made the the band like made some sort of a statement or a promise like we won't tour again until we can do it in a carbon carbon neutral way like super hippie style like yeah no we're not we're not going to kill the planet with our music um so we're not going to tour until we can figure this out i think that was the case that may or may not be the whole truth but essentially that's what we're working with and they have found a way to tour uh, carbon neutral or close to carbon neutral or in a much more environmentally friendly way and have announced a 2022 world tour um, that they're calling carbon neutral. And they're doing it by um, first, they're planting a tree for every ticket sold. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, they're using rechargeable batteries to. Uh, like power the event, I guess. So then they'll bring that battery with them and recharge it with, I don't know, like good intentions or something. And then uh, they'll have enough juice for the next show in the next city, I suppose. Um, then another thing I thought was pretty fucking rad. Sounds hard and expensive and, and equipment heavy, but I don't know. They're doing a kinetic floor that converts dancing into electricity. It's mm. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I don't know how is. it works. I haven't done any research. I'm sure I could Google it and there'd be a bunch of info about it. I have not done that, but it's kind of a cool idea to, to take, okay, a bunch of humans moving. Uh, we're going to convert that into energy and feed that into our rechargeable battery. And then we'll go do that again at the next town and convert those humans energy into electricity. Yeah. Kinda cool. Yeah, no, that is pretty neat. It's kind of like yeah. this, the self winding watch. 
Exactly. Yeah, like the the kinetic energy ones or whatever that have little fingers in there that as you as you uh, gesture and talk that um, that uh, that that kind of recharges it. Yeah, mine would always be charged when it. You talk with your hands a lot. I do. I was thinking that, like, man, I bet if Italians bought a watch like that, it would never go dead. Maybe that's what we need. We need to transfer the energy from the watch and beam it to a central location and put everybody have give everybody a kinetic watch. Then we can all share electricity. I feel like just a handful of Italians could create enough power through hand motion to power quite a few Coldplay shows, I think. Yeah, you know, I bet you there are uh, clever ways. I mean, that's, that one's obviously ridiculous, but I bet there are some pretty clever ways in order to um, uh, transfer energy that, you know, based on your daily movement, you know? I mean, it, it only makes sense, yeah. really, to be able to... Because you need to create electricity, right? And there's yeah. a whole bunch of ways you can create electricity. I don't know exactly how to send it, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, it is very interesting. I think that if there was a, a business environment that that uh, incentivized innovation in those ways. Like, sure, there's some incentive, in, in incentive to create, but really it's just more brilliant people create things. But if there was more incentive to create ways of capturing energy and getting away from, like, the burning of fossil fuels and all the other, obviously, uh, not great for the planet ways to make energy, we would, we would find some amazing things like that. Because um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, ingenious people out there that, find really neat ways of capturing, like you said, all sorts of movements, all sorts of friction happening all around us in all sorts of different ways, from train wheels rubbing against metal tracks to fucking walking your dog. Like, why not convert and capture some of that energy and store it and use it uh, or sell it back to the grid or something? Like, we can do better. I think that's, that's, a, that's an inarguable point that we could definitely be doing better. Well, and I also tend to think sometimes that we we can do better but a lot of times that better gets squashed because uh -huh. if you come up with a completely new innovative way to harness energy or or generate electricity that is free um the people that are in charge of selling us energy are not going to like that that much no they, yeah, they no, own they're, everything they're not like that at all they own yeah. everything so yeah. i i don't think that um i think that we have a multitude of ways um, we do to, uh, and, the, yeah. and those are just people who are thinking out of the box, doing it for the right reasons or just being ingenious because that's what, what smart people do. But if there was real, uh, push in the society by the government, just economically in general to create new cool ideas like that, which you could get rich off an awesome idea, um, and not be squashed by big oil or big power generation companies or the big lobby or government corporations. Go that keep government that plays a role in that too, though. And oh, I, I well, think... government's owned by these companies. I kind of equate yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, the politicians who are government are bought and sold by these companies. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is sad, um, but it is interesting to think about, like, what would exist? What, what would we be doing? How would we be powering things? Um, because you're right. There's all kinds of motion going on. Uh, like, it's kind of a neat idea to put in a kinetic floor at a giant concert and capture all that energy of dancing bodies. Kind of cool. Yeah. There's also, I, I've seen some things, you know, and I honestly, I can't tell whether it's true or false, but um, there was like a, a video of this guy that had some kind of magnetic um, 
machine or something that would purportedly uh, continuously create energy, you know, and it really didn't, all it did was use magnetism in order to like create resistance or um, push two opposing forces back and forth and then, and then harness that energy of the back and forth. And that makes sense, right? Because magnetic energy, you can, it does repel. So if you can get something to repel back and forth at a mass scale and you harness that, and you should be able to create electricity just based on the magnetism. I mean, that's just uh, me well, shooting shit, like, but I don't know. Well, no, it's totally true. And, and here goes my totally inept understanding of combustion engines. But there's an explosion that causes a piston to pump up and down. And that piston pushes a crank, right? And that moves a flywheel or something. I'm sure people who actually know cars are cringing right now. But... Essentially, a piston is pumping and it's moving something rotationally. Why couldn't you do that with repelling magnets um, to where they're just spinning faster than shit, moving that flywheel, capturing that friction or that energy caused by the spinning flywheel uh, powered by repelling magnets? That's true. Yeah. One on one side, one on the other side. And it yeah pushes it, bounces it off, pushes it back, bounces it off. Somebody's then you can have a little this. servo that that twists the magnet in a different direction to stop it. So they just twist away so they're no longer repelling. Then you twist them back toward each other. They repel and boom, you're off and running right. again. Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah, like a screw, huh? Like yeah. up, up yeah, and down totally. and then take advantage of that friction because that'll generate yeah. heat. And if that generates heat, you can boil water and then steam is actually... Did you know like at a nuclear power plant, it sounds like all like, whoa, it's nuclear... But they they generate steam. That's ultimately what they're doing is just generating steam, and then they harness the steam and then create electricity just from steam. So it's not like yeah. nuclear energy. Uh, you, you know, it could be anything that helps create steam, really. Right, because steam is a great source of power and energy. You can move a piston with steam, uh, and then all kinds of machinery attached to that piston. But making the steam is what was wasteful or harmful to the planet because you have to do it by like burning coal or burning wood or burning something to make the steam. But if you take that part of it out, now all of a sudden steam's looking pretty awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, why couldn't you do that with magnets? Or I'm sure brilliant people could think of a billion other ways or already have thought of a billion other ways that have just been squashed by um, massive corporations that have no interest in us not buying electricity or gas. Exactly. Yeah, that's it right Sad. there. It is. Sad, it is. But... It's so. And then, and then you have like things like, uh, did you hear about that one law in Colorado where they're not allowed to collect their own rainwater? Uh, I think that's a like, law here. That's that's a common law in a lot of places, isn't it? I've heard that before. Well, they had it in in Colorado, but then they got rid of it. And uh, so, so I have two thoughts on that. I've thought about the rainwater thing. My first thought is, how can you tell me I can't capture rainwater? Like. You have to monopolize my use of water. Uh, that's freaky and all that. Um, plus, F you, I'll just go buy a plastic trash bin and collect water whenever I want to. What are you going to do? Check my backyard, you know? Yeah. And then my second thought is standing water can be dangerous. So if a stupid person is capturing rain- rainwater and lets it sit there too long and then it goes bad and then drinks it or whatever, like then this could be somewhat of a health uh, problem if stupid people are drinking stagnant water because it's not like it's being stored properly or uh, kept clean, you know, who knows? So maybe that's part of why it's so the government okay cares about you. Water. Well, no, no, no. they but don't. A lot, a no. lot of people getting sick maybe cost them money and they don't want to, they don't want to no. spend money 
curing sick people. Yeah, no, they'd and rather that. they'd rather us not be around, probably. Well, dude, like it would make total sense to capture rainwater just for pure like irrigation purposes in your garden or something. Like you could rig up some sort of like a little uh, irrigation system that fills up a reservoir of water and then at some measured interval releases some of it through tubes that go and drip into your fucking potato plants, you know? Yeah. And there's nothing better than rainwater to feed your plants. No. I have two reservoirs. I have two, um, what would they be? Eight, 90 gallon barrels that I fill right. up and they're attached to my, um, downspout drilled a hole in the downspout. And I have like a, uh, a tube coming out of that going into one barrel and they have lids on them. And then once that bar barrel fills up, then the overflow goes into the other barrel because there's a hose connecting those two as well. Wow. And then it drips off into that. And then I just have spigots at the bottom of it. Completely, wow. Yeah. You super fill up cheap like a little, uh, yeah. Like a, like a, uh, a water, watering can. Jeez. Yeah. You yeah. Just, I can yeah. put them in a watering can. I can put a, uh, a hose onto it and uh, water things with it. Um, nice. Not really much pressure, but if I do it down the hill, it gets more pressure as it gets lower. Okay. So, wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Why the yeah. hell not? And that's legal in, in your state, I assume? Uh -huh. Or are you just being like a rebel without a cause? No, no, it's legal. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see how they can make rainwater illegal. Like, yeah, fuck you. It's raining. If I, if I capture it in a basin, I'm breaking the law. That's nonsense and ridiculous. Well, I thought that. for a while, no, they, I seem to remember in LA, there was a time when they were giving out the rain barrels. Really? I thought so. I might huh. be completely wrong. Then the government's all, you idiots, what are you doing? How are we going to monopolize their, their water usage if we're allowing them to capture and use nature's resource of water that already exists? You yeah. fools. You shall not be self-sufficient. Yeah. Not that we get enough rain here in California to be self-sufficient, but... There's some. Well, that's there's actually another. I I will not be able to find this um, article probably again. But there was this one guy who was completely living off the grid, mm. like solar, um, water, and and he did not pay any electricity. There was no electricity run to his property, but he was on the property, and he came out, and they they wouldn't let him use solar. They wouldn't let him use solar? Yeah, it was like against the law for him to just use solar and not be hooked up to the system. Well, that I, I gotta, just I, seems I got to find that and I got to send it to you because that's the honest truth. And he, he was a veteran too, which was what kind of made it worse. Wow. Like it was like, like, if I own this land, I can't just put something on here and not be hooked up to the grid and just use solar. That's not allowed. That's weird. Like what? what's the argument there, you know? Uh, you can't make like, like, oh, the government's there to make sure you're safe. So like, oh, if you, you know, uh, wake up in the middle of the night, we want to make sure that you can turn the lights on and not stub your toe. So you have to be hooked up to our grid, sir. Yeah. Well, you know what it is. Obviously, they just they yeah. lobby the government to say to maximize yeah. profit and they don't allow yeah. any. Yeah. Any of that. See, that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff, dude, is what keeps innovation squashed uh, and keeps the proliferation of things like uh, solar panels and batteries in your home which seem like such an obvious way to uh use power yeah um i but yeah no it's it's nonsense yeah why it's nonsense it just We're makes sense owned. yeah it might it does make sense just to have like one of those tesla batteries just even even on a house that has power 
you just totally. hook, it goes in through the tesla battery you maintain it there and if something goes down off grid or whatever you can just run off battery yeah. or you can generate you can charge it with a generator so you don't have to have the generator running 24 7. yep yep you know no totally totally and i mean backup power systems like that do exist those are okay but apparently it's not okay to not have power at all you have at least have to be connected um so yeah no that's disturbing but believable because uh uh they don't want anyone um, setting an example of disconnected living. They don't like that. Yeah. Imagine if that started to get popular where yeah, yeah, yeah. No, one totally. house went and then another house went, another house went yep. and yep. didn't need water, only, only needed sewage, you know. Yep. Yeah. Or even then you can just dig latrines. I mean, unless you have a really big family or whatever, if you have a big property, you could dig latrines. I mean, army camps have been doing that forever. Yeah, that's. I heard that's what they did too. They would like uh, dig a hole and then put like a big uh, PVC pipe, like mm -hmm. shove that in the hole, and um, yeah, poop in that. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I think they would uh, pee, and I don't know if they would poop in there. I mean, humans have had to do that for quite a while. It's not like uh, plumbing and sewers have been around all that long. Yeah, just take it out and cover up the hole. Kind of gross, yeah. but you know, it's nature's way, right? Then you go dig another one. Make sure you're not doing it upstream. All the standard, you know, where to poop rules, and and uh, you're fine. Uh, you've thought about this, Mike, huh? Uh, no, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm not a big prepper. Uh, but I do. Where did I get that idea? Oh, that was from some Civil War book I was reading in some field. Some some unit out in the field or whatever was having trouble with disease because. Uh, sad fact that way more people in the civil war died of disease more soldiers died of disease than they did of uh, of battle wounds and mm. something like 600,000 soldiers died in the civil war um and way more died of disease and sickness and all that than than have died of of war inflicted wounds and a big part of that was bad water uh harkening back to the rainwater point and then also like uh uh not handling poop right in the camps like pooping too close to the water supply or uh, that sort of thing, or pooping upstream because then it seeps through the the soil and then cruises downstream. So you always want to shit downstream. Just just saying, heads up. Yeah, and you don't want to be the one living downstream either. That's for somebody else. <laughs> That's some other camp station a little bit uh, downstream <laughs> of you. It's just like, oh, hey, uh, um, we can't stop that other company from pooping in the river upstream from us, uh, Colonel. So what do we do? Um, Maybe that's how they, they waged war. They would just go and poop upstream from the enemy. Would be smart. Like, They're over there. I mean, let's, that's, poop, let's poop upstream. <laughs> that's like germ warfare, right? There's some like international mm -hmm. agreement uh, on, on the rules of what's out of bounds. And, and, and contaminating a water supply is one of those things that you just don't do when you're at war with someone. It's like, I'll shoot you in the face, but I won't poop in your water. Like, let, let's be civil here, you know? That's like the Geneva Convention or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's these... Uh, these rules of of fair warfare um which is an oxymoron but yeah no it's it's uh, definitely um contaminating water supplies is a big one and then you and, got those uh, uh statements like all's fair in love and war which confused me and then you're like well wait a minute there's that convention that we have <laughs> you're like really not not all is fair because you can't poop in water yeah uh, but uh yeah yeah just saying yeah, see, we go in weird directions. We were just saying, like, wonder where this one's going to go. Uh, huh. Fighting wars by pooping in water. I do want to talk about, I have one thing um, to bring All up. Right. Oh. I've been watching this uh, YouTuber 
on and off. Not like I'm not religiously watching him, but he's very likable and he's got a large following now. He's really interesting to watch this transpire because I did catch him kind of like in the earlier days a little bit. And I don't know if you know, it's centered around something that's going on in the Canary Islands. Have you heard about that? The volcano? No. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know where it was, but I've seen lots of footage of the uh, of the volcano. Crazy lava footage going on. Yeah, it's getting worse and worse. And um, they're starting to get earthquakes now. And there's a guy that's on the Canary Islands, and he does a great job of, like, summarizing what's going on on the island and the progress that's made and the uh, earthquakes that have happened. And just he's very relatable. He's very, like, human. He's just, like just a, a really great guy and um it's it's neat just to watch him talk about the the progress not prog i mean the digression i guess of the the volcano um and it's kind of sad too i mean you got like uh this whole island is just being threatened continuously and then these people will like in the middle of the night will feel an earthquake and he was describing his feeling like he was inside and it was like a 4.5, 4.6. And you, you're from California, you know. I mean, that can you can feel that sometimes. Sometimes it's a jolt. That's, that's pretty it, big. Yeah, it depends if it's like a shaker or a rocker or a roller or whatever. But and that's pretty big. Yeah, so it, it was, you know, there's been fours where, like, I've never even felt or nobody felt, right? But then there's been fours where you're like, ooh, you know, that kind of hits me. And uh -huh. I it seemed like he got one of the ones that was kind of a, a shocker there. And... um he was talking about like in the middle of the night, he was thinking about going out of his house and like sleeping on the lawn, like so he can keep an eye on the volcano. Like that's where these people are at right now wow. living next to this volcano. So like, I don't want a volcanic flow of lava to catch me by surprise. So I'm going to go sleep outside to, to keep an eye on it. Yeah. And I'm going to run wow. like hell or something. Man. If that thing goes, I mean, that's like, yeah, it, it kind of really, that, that, made it visceral wow. for me when uh when he said that but uh, his name is bushcraft bear i didn't say his bushcraft name. bear yeah it's right. kind of an odd name but like he's from spain no and, no it's uh, totally normal i was thinking about naming one of my sons bushcraft bear yeah you weren't <laughs> <laughs> so okay so the canary islands is he like a uh, dude, I hope I'm not insensitive or, or show my ignorance which is abundant is they like are they like aboriginals there or something or Bushcraft bear sounds very like native to me. I don't know anything about the Canary Islands. Yeah, no, it it's not. It's um, it's it's a very pretty city. It's I would say like a middle class kind of beach town is what it looks where like. Where are where are the Cayman the Canary Islands? Um, near Spain. That's about All the right. most I can give you. It's like in the okay. Spanish near Spain. And All um, right. yeah, I can't totally picture it i mean i did see it on a map a couple times but there's a concern about america or the the entire world actually because this volcano it's not the first time that it's erupted i think it, this is the one that erupted most recently like seventy thousand years ago okay and caused some massive issues for us so uh -huh. welcome to 2021 again right i mean <laughs> uh yeah but there's an uh, a side thing that we should be worried about with this volcano is that if it erupts and the mountain breaks off into the ocean, it's going to cause m enormous tidal waves. Yeah, around the yeah, world. Yeah. Um, yep. 
So they know a decent amount about things like the Mount Vesuvius eruption, which uh, exploded near Pompeii, buried Pompeii and Herculaneum in, in ash, was visible for, I don't know how many tens or maybe hundreds of miles around, and it blacked out the sky for a long time and created like all sorts of like environmental issues and, and uh, agricultural problems after that. Like it wasn't just a bad couple of days and then gone. It like fucking changed the, the atmosphere for a while. Yeah, everything um, died for like two years. I, I, was, com- I was mixing those up. Um, you're right. Mount Vesuvius was the 70,000 year ago one. Canary Islands is not. No, no. Mount Vesuvius was uh, in the year 70. So that was under 2,000 years ago. That was in Rome. Oh, okay. Never mind. 70 or 79 or whatever. It was during the reign of Emperor Vespasian. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm glad they don't use that name anymore. Vespasian. Yeah, I have a coin from Emperor Vespasian. Vespasian. He was actually, fun fact, is the emperor who uh, sacked Jerusalem because the Romans were totally dicks to Jews and took a ton of their gold and treasures and all this kind of stuff from the Jews of Jerusalem back then, brought all those riches back to Rome, and used all that money to build the Colosseum for the people. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Whatever that, whatever that's worth. Vespasian was the dick who robbed the Jews and the awesome guy who built the Colosseum. And the unfortunate guy who happened to preside over the Vesuvius eruption, which I'm sure was just one of those things where he's like, I don't know, what the fuck am I going to do? That, that's a... Uh, that's gnarly. I got nothing. Uh, let's build a coliseum and have a good time and kill animals and sacrifice people to uh, distract ourselves from the horrific shit going on down in Pompeii. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, an interesting story. Never would have guessed anything like that, of course. And uh, yeah, it's um, a trip. And then the other volcanic volcanic activity that is of like biblical proportion is um, uh, the island of Santorini in Greece, which. A lot of stories point point back to this island as being the origin of the story of Atlantis. And from what I know about it, I favor that opinion. There's other ones, but that one to me seems the strongest. I've been to Santorini, and they have ancient civilizations there, which are like 2,700 years old or something like that. So um, uh, seven, 800 years before this Vesuvius eruption, uh, totally biblical times back then where they had this super advanced society with multi-story buildings, indoor toilets, I mean, a very advanced society going on on this small island of Santorini in Greece. And there wasn't, the fucking island exploded. It was a volcanic eruption that literally blew the center out of the island. And now it's like a crescent shape, like a croissant shaped island. And the center of that was where the volcano just fucking exploded and Everything within that circle obviously just vaporized, but all the cities around it were buried in, I don't know how many different feet, how many feet of ash, like a shitload. And they've, they've dug up some of these cities on Santorini, and that's how they know that they were so advanced is because they had amazing art, amazing architecture, a lot of cool technology. They were a really advanced society, which that's the story of, of Atlantis. There was this really advanced society who was just wiped off the planet. But once they figured out and tied it together with a lot of events that went on around the world at that time, that that volcanic explosion caused all sorts of problems, tidal waves, um, changes in, in the ocean's current or whatever, like all kinds of crazy shit that went around, that went on hundreds and thousands of miles away even. 
um, because of the just sheer impact of the volcanic eruption right there that exploded the island, but affected all sorts of areas around it. They even think that there's a theory that that volcanic eruption of Santorini was the cause of the story of Moses parting the Red Sea. Um, so the story goes, Moses led his people out of, uh, out of Egypt, right? Um, led them through the desert and the, the, the Egyptians were like chasing him and he led his people through the Red Sea and like parted the Red Sea and his people walked to safety across the Red Sea. Then the Egyptians followed him into the sea and then the sea swallowed them back up and, and, uh, um, it's one of these super far-fetched stories that you're like, yeah, all right, well, you know, whatever. But apparently they're thinking that it is possible that the sea receded to a point that would allow people to cross through. Because I think they've even found like evidence of chariots and, and ancient shit like that from that time period at the bottom of the ocean there. Thinking like, oh, look, Moses and his people did uh, cross right here and the Egyptians were swallowed up by the sea. But there's a theory that the that the oceans in the Red Sea were affected by this volcanic explosion in Santorini that it made the waters recede enough to cause, you know, or allow people to cross. And then eventually the oceans went back. They don't know any of this, but it's all theoretical. But uh, that's the kind of, that's the kind of mass um, ripple effect that something like a massive volcanic explosion can have. That's crazy. I think I've seen that area that you're talking about. It kind of looks like a, a mountain with its arms spread out into the ocean. Is that the Santorini? one? Santorini? Yeah, where there's water uh, in the middle and there's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's literally like a croissant-shaped island. Beautiful island. It was a really cool place to visit. Um, great wineries. Um, no surprise. Greece has amazing food and amazing drink. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you stand on the, the hill looking down into the crater, you can just picture like, okay, this was clearly um, an explosion. I mean, it just blew it out into a perfect circle. And... Uh, that's where all the cruise ships park now because it's a nice natural harbor. But um, the ruins there are amazing to go to go tour the ruins. We went to a place called Akrotiri. Uh, I think it was Akrotiri. And you go way underground because it was all buried under tons and tons of ash. And they've dug a lot of it out. Not all of it by any means, but they've dug a lot of the old ancient remains of the city up. And they've built these really cool like bridging and scaffolding uh structures all around the the ancient city so you can walk around and walk through the streets essentially and uh see a bunch of the old homes and the old pottery and the artwork still on the walls and fucking amazing dude did you um you, you said you believe in atlantis as being a an ancient city and that is there a debate about that i don't know what the, oh, the story is yeah about yeah that. yeah so um atlantis is a story that's told about an ancient advanced civilization that disappeared overnight, essentially. Um, and the story of Atlantis, or a similar story of, a, of an advanced civilization that disappeared overnight, is told by a lot of different civilizations around the same time period. So there's a lot of weight, like, this happened. Whether or not any of these stories are accurate or true or stretched or whatever, um, that's assumed. But something definitely happened for all these different civilizations to be telling essentially the same story around the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of debate over, there's even some people who theorize that Atlantis was in the uh, Mediterranean or over here on, in the North American continent. Uh, I, I don't put a lot of weight into that. I've, I've seen some things about that and whatever. And it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a stretch to me, 
But from what I've seen and heard about the Santorini theory, totally makes sense. Geographically, physically, um, uh, time-wise, all of that seems to tie in pretty well together to me, where I think that's the strongest connection to the story of, of Atlantis. Not that there was ever a civilization called Atlantis. I think it was named that much later, because uh, these stories came out, like, I don't know, a 1,000 or 800 years after Atlantis apparently exploded. Um, but uh, when they discovered the Santorini civilizations, it was, uh, it was like, wow, man, all that really lines up. What happened here uh, matches the stories, the time frame matches, the devastation that is explained by all kinds of surrounding areas is matched by what we would estimate would be the fucking impact of an explosion this size. Like, it all just kind of ties together and, and it fits. Um, so, yeah, that one to me makes the most sense. I think Atlantis was Santorini. And those people just took all their secrets of the universe with them and didn't even well, share it vapor- so selfishly. Were, yeah, no, they were just vaporized by a volcanic explosion. So I'm sure Selfish. they didn't choose to just disappear. Uh, it just kind of happened. I'm sure they would have chose to continue existing. Well, it's rather selfish. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, it was it was very selfish of them. Like yeah. uh, they should have thought twice before they were vaporized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever been to uh, Greece or I know you've you've lived in Germany, so you've certainly been to Europe. But have you ever been to Greece or Italy or anything over there in in the Mediterranean area? No, not a single thing. Mm-mm. I've been to France you... and Austria and uh, all right. Um, that's about it. Austria. Never yeah. been to Austria. Been to France. I spent one day in Paris. That's the uh, that's my France experience. Yeah, Paris is a really pretty city, and I say that from 1980s perspective. I haven't been there for a long time, but I think it is a really. I mean, it's a gorgeous city, uh, just architecture wise, and and uh, it's just so interesting. Like it's it has so much history in that city i mean but you know you've been to these uh, mediterranean places too i think that you said were even older than that oh Can't yeah imagine yeah. that which is uh i mean know. it's all they're all amazing in their own way right so yeah i've been to like um i've been to athens santorini way predates athens um but i've been to all these i've been to a lot of cool places but paris was one of my favorites even though I only spent a day there, we did a lot in one day. Uh, I can I did a lot of research ahead of time, put ourselves in a really cool position right there in the heart of Paris uh, with the hotel we picked. And um, we did a lot in one day, man, mainly just walking around the city. And the whole time I, I probably just bored the hell out of my wife with uh, being a tour guide because that's what I do. I do all this research and reading before I go to a place like that and then all i do is i tell her about all the crazy shit that happened in on this street and that street and what this building used to be and who used to live there and all this and oh that's where they chopped off the head of louis the louis the 16th and everything and uh crazy city man um, she's gonna let you bring a friend next there. time huh see so uh <laughs> they could take a little bit of the blunt they can <laughs> oh she literally do we went to rome and above all ancient civilizations, uh, I love Roman history more than anything and have spent more time researching and, and uh, digesting Roman history than any other civilization. And going into Rome, she knew I was going to be insufferable. And she even said something that was just so visceral. Like she, she didn't really think about the statement at all. It just came out where I was just like, oh, this, we're going to go here. We hired, we hired this private guide who's kind of like a, an expert on Rome because I didn't want to do a group tour. I wanted just one private guide for her and I to go through the Colosseum. And you started teaching uh, him. 
Uh, somewhat. Well, no, she, no, I, I don't know about that. But I, she, she would, she would give very surface level touristy descriptions of things, and I would go like two or three levels deeper. Like, oh yeah, so that's that. But uh, this is why, and this is who did it, and this is where. And she'd be like, whoa, uh, okay, yeah, you're you're fucking into this, okay? Because she was just giving very basic um, overviews of things, you know. And then I was digging her deeper. But my wife, before we went and met with our guide for the Coliseum, she had said something like. Can, can you let the guide, like, talk? You know, like, basically. Can you shut up a little bit? I want to enjoy this. Oh, that's so, uh, uh, I know. So she felt, she felt bad saying it, or was it kind of, like, no. hard to say? Or just, it just, like, no, it, it just was the honest out. truth that just came out, and it was there, and we had yeah, to deal yeah. with it now. No, we were just talking, like, oh, I can't wait for this and this and whatever. And she's just like, yeah, like, let the guide kind of, you know, do, do her thing. Like, let the guide talk. And, uh... It was, it was very like, and then in my head, I'm just thinking like, fuck no, I'm running this show, you know, like, oh, dude, I can't <laughs> I'm wait. Paying I've been, him. I've been, I'm paying her. Yeah. Him no, or... She's working for me, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like that too. Like I did let her talk. I was really interested in seeing what she had to say and she's guiding us around. She's been there a billion times. So, you know, I'm letting her run the show for the most part. But uh, if she started going down a path that I wasn't interested in, I'd be like, no, no, I don't want to go waste time on that. I want to see the underbelly, like take me down to the, the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the underground parts, or I want to go see where the elevator was that brought the animals and gladiators up to the arena floor. I want to go see that, you know, don't, don't just fucking show me the basic stupid shit. See, maybe you, you would actually be a great guide. I could see you I... loving the shit out of that. You'd be like, no, 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 you don't want to go there. You want to go to this uh... restaurant or whatever. I would love that. I've even thought about joining the, um, going to work for the National Parks Department, which is the ones that oversee all, like, um, federal parks or whatever, like the, the Gettysburg um, Park or whatever, like all that kind of stuff. That's all run by um, government employees that I believe work for the Parks Department. And... I've looked into working for them because I, I would love that, honestly. And I think in the back of my mind, I think when I'm like retirement age, uh, if I haven't done done good enough job of planning and, and I and I have to work, I think I want to go work for the parks department as an old guy because then I can just give tours of awesome places. I would love that. I really would. Yeah. No. And you're personable. It would be fun to hang out. Like, hey, where's the best place to go get beers? Oh, you know, and, oh, and you could read yeah. the crowd and be like, oh, well, these are young kids. And, you know, we'll put them in the young kid part of town or these are older people. We'll go see them over here. And um, I think that's an important thing to do in a tour guide. Like, you know, you obviously have like your canned package thing. If tourists are just like, hey, we're just doing this. We have no idea what we're getting into. So take us through this uh, historic city. Like, OK, so here's my canned basic overview of what we're looking at. But then if you find someone who's interested in a particular time period or like you said, like more interested in in the uh, rough around the edges part of the history, or they really want to see a particular part of the city. Like, oh, cool! Now we're gonna we're gonna pull an audible here, and I'm gonna go show you some deeper next level shit uh, that you would really like. I would love that. Yeah, I have a friend uh, back in LA, and he just actually moved to Birmingham, Alabama. Um, but he he was like he's like the ultimate tour guide like for LA yeah. like he's been to every restaurant like every one of every one that there is like he knows so much about just every place that there's that every restaurant that exists every bar and club that exists and 
what to eat there and just everything. And I was, I would always tell them like, you need to actually be a tour guide for people and take people places. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that would be a neat industry. And there's a lot of independent tour guides, uh, that just, like you said, they just create, um, a site or a service and they build up exposure through social media or whatever. And they're just like, Hey, I'm the LA guy, like hire me, uh, pay through PayPal and I'll meet you at this place and this time. And we can either do a group or a private thing, but I will take you through LA and I will show you what you want to see all the greatest restaurants or all the movie star homes or all the cool history or all the whatever's you're interested in. Um, that would be a fun gig. I would full blown love to do that. And I would go to work so stoked every day yeah, to tell would. the same story. I, yeah. I would be like fucking full blown nerd about it. I love it. What about driving one of those buses or something? Just being like, instead of busing Steve, you're busing Mike now. And you're like, hey, take a, take a look over on the right. That's uh, such and yeah. such. And, you know, kind of, well, you don't have to be the one driving it. You could actually just be the tour guide on a big bus. Yeah, I would like it. You know, yeah. one thing I found out when I was you, looking into the parks department, because I was just like, okay, here's what I would consider doing. I would go back to mainly Civil War. I love the Civil War era. Uh, if I was to do it in the States, I would probably be like a Civil War museum or or battlefield guide. And I would want to go back east, obviously, because most Civil War uh, activity took place back east or in your state, a good deal of it. Um, I actually had a great, great grandpa who served in the Civil War who spent some time in Nashville and Chattanooga and, and right around your neck of the woods. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So um, I would love to go back to some of those battlefields and work at one of them and give tours there. What I found, though, when I was looking into the Parks Department um, job opportunities, because I honestly like thought about it for a time, is that it, it doesn't seem that easy to cherry pick where you want to go be a, uh, a tour guide or a docent or whatever. Um, so once you sign up, then you kind of get assigned things and you got to build up uh, some familiarity to be able to pick stuff. Like it didn't seem so easy just to apply for a job at the Gettysburg Battlefield Museum. Like I might get stationed at or yeah. assigned to some lame ass museum I have no interest in. And then I'd be like, well, I'm going to have a lot of trouble putting color into this tour that I'm not invested emotionally into. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're going where they need you. But, okay, how about this idea? Say we get followers. Who knows? Maybe these 12 people that are listening to us now might want to go. We get we do a Derek and Mike tours, and then we rent out one of those double-decker buses, and we tour it, and uh, you actually have a loudspeaker, and you just say, hey, take out, you know, we're first we're going to go here, and... Uh, and then we go have lunch with the group, and then we. <laughs> All right, that's lunch a crazy included. idea. Yeah, but that'd be so fun. Hey, you know who did that? Okay, yeah. so one of my favorite podcasters is Mike Duncan, and he did a show called "The History of Rome," mm. where he just made this entire podcast series about the history of Rome. Like each episode is a is a an incremental piece of the history chronologically from the founding of Rome all the way to the fall of Rome. It's a fucking amazing podcast series for anyone listening. If you love Rome, Roman history. Go listen to Mike Duncan's full podcast, The History of Rome, if you haven't already. It's fucking awesome. Um, but I came to that party late, so I wasn't listening to his podcast live as he was doing it. He was totally done with it probably for a few years by the time I found it. So I went back through and I listened from episode one all the way through, I don't know, episode 300 or something. And um, at some point, he built up a big following and he started doing tours in Rome as like the history of Rome guy. So he was like, okay, fans of history of Rome, 
uh, you can buy into this package where you'll fly to Rome, meet me there, Mike Duncan, the guy who's the host, and I will personally do my own tour of this area, which we just covered in the History of Rome podcast. And I'm listening to him talk about this, obviously pre-recorded because it's podcasts. So by the time I hear it, this is long uh, happened and, and gone. And I'm listening to it just furious at my at my truck speakers, like, fuck, why can't I go do this? Like, nothing would be funner than going to do a tour of Rome with this guy who is so fucking knowledgeable about the history of Rome. And he and he uh, is such a relatable kind of a storyteller. Like, he's, he's our age. He's super cool about the way he tells the story. There's nothing... Um, stuck up or stuffy about his his telling of history. Like, he's very cool, and his language is cool. He's just very straightforward. He's totally relatable um, to me. And I would love to go do a tour with this guy of Rome, and it sucked to just hear him promoting it, even though it had already come and gone, and I couldn't do it. Um, so that was a bummer. Well, wow, it's cool funny how that story came full circle like that, huh? Yeah. We were talking about that, and then you had that, that icing on the cake where... You know, but wouldn't that be funny though? And we do a Derek and Mike on a bus. Where would where we we're go? Just talking where, where, smack. Where, where, where should we do a tour? New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, whatever. Dude, I could I could do that. I know a lot about New Orleans. We went there once, and I did my normal annoying, uh, super preparatory thing where I read fuckloads of books about all kinds of different eras about New Orleans, and there is a lot of history in New Orleans, um, which goes without saying, but amazing city, amazing history, uh, good and bad. And our whole time that we spent in New Orleans, I did what I always do. And I uh, just annoyed the shit out of my wife with, <laughs> with, uh, with, uh, my, my tour guiding everywhere we went didn't you all and day, me, every day. Didn't we go to, did you and I go to New Orleans? I can't remember. No, we, we went to, uh, Orlando. Yeah, we went to. I went to New Orleans with somebody else. Uh, okay, from that company, from that software. I never company. went. I never went with the software company to New Orleans. We went to a lot of cool places, but never New Orleans. I, I've only been there once. Went there with my wife. We just went there on vacation, um, and uh, we stayed in the financial district, like right across um, the main street from the French Quarter. So we weren't in the French Quarter, but we were across the street from the French Quarter, and. Uh, bourbon street and all that kind of stuff it was fucking cool dude um sad to see what happened during katrina there after that was that was after sarah and i went um oh no no i'm wrong katrina happened before we went and new orleans was was pretty well recovered by the time we went but there still was some evidence of the flooding um but for the most part they had kind of bounced back from the whole katrina thing yeah i went there um we were just outside the french quarter Right there, yeah. And it was such we stayed at an the amazing Roosevelt. Trip. Where'd you stay? No, we stayed at like like the Hilton or something like that. It was All right. yeah. It was nice. It was a pretty good hotel, but um, yeah, it was just so great to like go and eat over there. And I remember I had crawdad soup, and I really didn't think that I was gonna like it, but wow, it was so damn good. I still can taste it sometimes when I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I had that with uh, shrimp and grits, and we were at this little tiny hole-in-the-wall breakfast place, and that's how you know it's a good place to try, and there's a billion of those in New Orleans, and we went in there for breakfast, and, and we just asked the guy, like, what do we get, dude? What's the best? And he goes, shrimp and grits, and I kind of winced, like, eh, what else? And yeah. Uh, yeah. he was adamant. He's like, no, it's uh, it's amazing. That's what everyone gets. You guys should try it. I'm like, all right, fuck it, two of those, and 
I, I can still taste it. It was, <laughs> it was one of the best things I've ever eaten. Uh, man, so much on that trip, so much in New Orleans was some of the best food I've ever eaten. But that shrimp and grits was uh, like life-changing good. Yeah, I, I had one in um, uh, South Carolina not that long ago, shrimp and grits, and wow, it was just phenomenal. Really? Yeah, yeah no, amazing. Mm-hmm. And then like po' boy sandwiches, stuff like that. Uh, and uh, obviously uh, Cafe Dumont. Did you go there when you were there? Um, they, they, I don't They're know. famous for ben, beignets. I don't know what that means. Probably not. Oh, 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 Derek. Derek, Derek. So Cafe Dumont is just below Jackson Square. Um, I'm sure you ended up in Jackson Square. It's kind of like the main central square of of the French Quarter. And Cafe Dumont is a little a little tiny stand essentially, um, right right on the side of of the entrance of Jackson Square. And super famous. I don't know how long it's been there, but it's been there a long time. And it's one of these must go places for beignets in New Orleans, probably the most famous place for beignets in the world. Wait, wait what is a beignet? There, a here beignet we go is essentially with these a, fancy words. and It's like a donut. Uh, so yeah. it's really just like a, a very light, fluffy piece of bread with powdered sugar on it. It's essentially a donut, but it's not, but it kind of is. It's, it's donut-y. Um, it's like seriously amazing. Amazing. Oh. They give you like, they give you a few of them, however many you order is never enough. And they put them in a little brown bag, and and you get a little cup of coffee there at Cafe Dumont. And uh, we couldn't even sit there at one of the tables and eat it because they were just way too packed and people standing around waiting. So we took our beignets and coffee right across the street to Jackson Square and just sat below the statue of Andrew Jackson and uh, ate beignets right there in the in the in the square. And dude, they're just incredible. The powdered sugar gets all over your hands and your face, and you're a little bit messy. And but you're just you're every time you bite one, you literally just you can't listen to anything or talk to anybody. Like you can't have a conversation and eat a beignet. Uh, you require entire silence. Or even if someone is talking to you, you you aren't listening to them at all. You're just like marveling at the flavor in your mouth and the texture and the whole thing. Where you're just like, oh my god, uh, it's amazing. Well, how come they're, I don't have incredible. a beignet place uh, right down the street? Is it? Oh, they they make them. Uh, if you find like any kind of a. Uh, New Orleans kitchen or whatever. Like we have some here in the city I live in, in California. There's some Creole restaurants that will make beignets and they're good, but they're nothing like Cafe du Monde. Uh, atmosphere, location, and purely just the best. They're unbeatable, unmatched beignets. They're worth flying all the way to fucking New Orleans just for beignets. Is Dumont spelled like D-U-M-O-N-T? Like Dumont. Dumont. Du- I'm trying to be authentic and say Dumont. Dumont. But it's Dumont. Cafe Dumont. Okay. Yeah. And they even sell the beignet mix. Like, oh, buy the beignet mix and take it home and make it there. But are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, no, it's never going to be as good as this. I'm not going to go ruin it for myself. I'm only going to eat beignets here. Take a little bit of bliss back home with you. Yeah, yeah. For $14, buy a bag of beignet flour. Yeah, so let's do the trip first in uh, New Orleans. Man, I would love to go to New Orleans with you. We'll get Bus and Steve... He'll be, he'll be our bus driver in New Orleans, and then you and me will be at the top of a double-decker bus, and uh, we'll be sitting at desks uh, behind a mic, and you could tell us about everything, and I'll just make little <laughs> snide comments. 
<laughs> You'll never get a fucking word in edgewise, dude. <laughs> I will never shut up. Everyone will be like, God, this guy's annoying. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking annoying to travel with, dude, and I know it, but I can't help it. Like, I just love traveling so much, and I do so much pre-planning, and, uh, uh, and, I, and I don't do the thing where I, like, make this rigid itinerary. What I do is I make a gigantic, undoable list of things that we could do. And then we just float around and do whatever works out, you know. But at least I have this hit list of, hey, we're already in this area. We should or we could go check this out because this is here. And here's uh, a long description of why I think that's interesting that no one wants to hear. Um, but that's what it's like to travel with me is I have this gigantic, undoable list of things to do. And then we just poke around and pop into places and, and uh, cherry pick from that list. You are the complete opposite type of traveler than like me and Megan. Like I, I've tried to do a little bit of something here, like, hey, on Wednesday, why don't we go over to the aquarium? And uh no, she's not really having any kind of schedule. It's kinda of like we're just not doing anything. So if you go to New Orleans with Megan, uh -huh. what's your day look like? Any kind of planning, any kind of prep, any Googling, any listing, any any bullet points? All restaurants. Oh, it's all, right. all just about the restaurants. How do you find, so you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, it's breakfast time. How do you find a place to go to breakfast when you and Megan are in New Orleans? She'll pretty much be part of that, be in charge of that. You know, I'll, Will you look it up on your phone or are you just going to go go out, the, yeah. leave the hotel and walk around? No, no, yeah, we'll look it up on the phone, generally speaking, and just like look right. around. Like on the trip, when we went to South Carolina, like on the whole trip there, she was just like looking at all the restaurants that we could eat and saying, oh, this place is nice, you know. And um, from there, that's kind of like how we targeted our places. And But it's just kind of a, it's not like, oh, this is Thursday night, this is Wednesday night, this is Tuesday night. It's just, um, hey, it would be nice if we do this tonight. I think because a lot of times like her family is very uh, plan oriented. And she's mm -hmm. always been like the one in the family that's not plan oriented. So she doesn't. Okay. Like, um, she's kind now of she a gets rebel. to run the show. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. She's a rebel really. All right. No, dude, I guess I'm a mix of that. So even like restaurant wise, I'll do a ton of research leading up to it. I'll also rely on local recommendations once I get to the place. Cause I, I always find that I like talking to locals and I always want to ask them like, all right, so we're in the tourist district here. Where do you go hang out? Like, where is cool to hang out for drinks and music? And where is a good place to go get food? Like, real authentic kind of food. That's right. Um, so I'll always kind of put a lot of weight on local recommendations. That's and, like, oh, sorry, I just want one funny thing. That's like when you go to a dispensary and they're like, well, what kind of weed would you like? It's like, well, what are you smoking? <laughs> <laughs> you work here. You've got a, yeah. you got a pick of the litter. You tell what, me. What, what's in your bong? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt that's, you there. I just had to that's get that. That's what I out. want. That's yeah. funny. No, that's what you want, though. You want like, 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 okay, so you live here. You've been to every restaurant. Where do you go eat when you have a friend in town or you want to take the wife out somewhere nice? Like, what's good, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I always I always put a lot of weight into those local recommendations. And then eventually it turns into, I have a long list of places that are good. We should hit some of these, but I don't, I don't assign days. Like, okay, here's our Wednesday plan, and we're going to end up over here. We're going to go to this museum and then end up by that place for, for dinner and... I don't do it like that regimented. I don't think that's fun. Um, I just have a long list of shit we'd like to do, great restaurants that are in the area, and we'll just float around and, and pop in. And then when it's like, oh, it's time for lunch, where should we eat? Then we already have this list of places I researched and recommendations of great places. Like, all right, what's close or what's 
what's in striking distance and what sounds good. Like, it's on oh, your restaurant flashcard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's probably just like in Google Docs on my phone. That's usually how I do it. Yeah. 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 Dude, now, like, you, you don't wake up. Well, you wake up early on a vacation, don't you? Or do you I wake up in? super early. Yeah, I'm really annoying. Yeah, I wake up like super early and I rush my wife into the shower and getting ready and like, go, go, go. Come on. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Like she likes to sleep in and move at her own pace and I'm pushing her out the door at seven or eight. Yeah, see, we're we're sleeping in probably to, as late as possible. Oh, until, God, what a waste. <laughs> until until oh, the sun. It kills me. I until die. the sun through the hotel room wakes us up and we can't. We're like, no, don't come in through that window. Uh, that's when we wake man, up. I'm so annoying, dude. <laughs> I, I no, dude, like, oh my God, especially like Europe. Uh, when we were in Europe, we were on a cruise ship. So the cruise ship stops and pulls into port like at 7 a.m., something like that. And you can get off the cruise ship at 7 a.m. and go hit the city, but it's essentially parked there for the entire day. So there's no real need to get off the boat at seven o'clock, right? I mean, you could wait till 10 and go down and then go into the city and all that, but fuck that shit. Like, that's multiple hours in an amazing city I've never been before. Like, I need to be first in line in the exit so I can be the first to touch that dock and get in a fucking car and get to Naples or Rome or, or fucking Athens or, or Venice or wherever we're stopping that day. And uh, my wife is not as adamant about being the first off the boat as I am. And I'm always, like, rushing her to get ready and freaking out and making it stressful. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, Where did we go in that Mexican city? Remember that time we took that? Ensenada. Uh, Ensenada. Okay, yeah. Wait, no. Was it yeah, Ensenada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, dude. It was a three-day oh, yeah, cruise Ensenada, out of Long yeah, Beach, not, and we went to Ensenada. That's right. Tim gave me the thing, and I was like, hey, do you want to... We worked together at that time, and it was like, let's let's do it. And uh, that was fun. That was the first cruise I've ever been on. Yeah, so we got on yeah. at Long Beach, California, got on, got on the cruise ship. It was a carnival cruise. And uh, three-day cruise. First day was uh, was a straight shot to Ensenada and um, let us off the boat there for a day. We spent the day in Ensenada. We went to uh, La Bufadora, the, the blowhole. Remember that? So um, we went. No. We, we, we took like a bus or something. Oh, all the yeah. Way up a, that was a cool little ass, town. That that sketchy ass bus ride up that fucking mountain road with no like safety railing fucking on the side of it. Flying, yeah. That bus driver was hauling ass up hauling that ass. He was treacherous fucking road, dude. Up that mountain. Don't, don't you and, find uh, it funny? And I I don't mean I'm not trying to be insensitive here. It's just like Mexicans in Mexico drive fast as hell, dude. But like, in America, they drive. They don't drive fast. Yeah. Oh, that's that's an interesting observation. That's totally true. Like, yeah, in Mexico, it's fucking, dude, stop signs and stop lights are optional. Everyone's hauling ass. No one signals. No no, nothing, dude. It's just madness. Hauling um, ass, too, like on the freeways yeah. and, and taking turns. Like, you could, you feel like you're going to flip over. You're like, whoa. Dude, and like a rickety-ass tour bus where no one's wearing a seatbelt and no one's in a hurry. Uh, and he was flying up that mountain, dude, like scary as fuck whipping around corners it felt like the bus was going up on two wheels leaning toward yeah. the edge of a thousand foot cliff drop where it's like you're looking straight down at going we're gonna die on this fucking tour like relax man uh we can be three minutes later it's fine that's one time when i'm not in a hurry and, yeah uh, it's so true and then uh 
yeah, I, I faintly remember us like saying like we had some discussion oh. about that. That's all we well, were talking he, about. He stopped at a liquor store so we could buy cases of beer. So we went and bought like a whole case of like, I don't know, Soul or Pacifico or something. So we were drinking beer <laughs> on the bus on the way the bus, up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's what you do. So we're pounding beers and we were in a good mood, but still like, fuck, man, I'm a little scared. Like this is a, this is too gnarly and uh, made it all the way up to the top of that hill or mountain or whatever and there was like that little like flea market villagey kind of thing up there with a bunch of shops like little tent shops just selling crap for cheap you know and we bought two well, cigars and we were oh, smoking yeah, the yeah. cigars walking through quote, the, unquote, the city cuban cigars cuban we're like cigars, yeah i can't yeah. prove it but it sounds nice i'll take two yeah uh smoking cuban cigars up there and then we went to that la bufadora thing which is the blowhole where the water um the tide as it ebbs in and out, builds up pressure inside of an underground hole, and then it it shoots up like a like a whale spout out of that hole, um, which was pretty cool. You remember that? Yeah, and that was neat because it wasn't like um, you know in America they'd have that all walled off. They would have like ropes around it and stuff. It was like you know if you wanted to, you could just probably dive in that water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go stick your head in it if you want to. I mean, it'll blow your head off, but uh, yeah, go ahead. There, there's no rope. Yeah. No offense. Tear it up. Uh, yeah, so that was a fun, fun trip. And then we just kind of poked around Ensenada a little bit after that. We got some tacos and whatever back on the boat. And then the second day was day at sea. And we just spent the whole day at sea there on that boat. Partied all day. Little casino there. Bunch of fucking restaurants with expensive-ass drinks. We spent more money on drinks than the cost of that cruise by far. Oh, yeah, I remember Did, we showed up at the uh, bar in the morning before they opened. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah totally. We're not open. You mean you're not open. It's well, nine. Yeah, yeah. This is a cruise, man. Start making making some goddamn screwdrivers or something. Yeah. I remember, I, I don't think I had a credit card. We put it all on your credit card, didn't we? Probably, you have to, yeah. So you so. get like a drink, you drink, you get like a drink card or a ticket or something. And it's essentially like something that you hand to the bartender through the entire cruise. And he adds your drink charges to that. And at the end of your cruise, you go and, you know, you have that card scanned. And then they go, oh, okay, you owe us $8,000 because that's how much alcohol you drink. Um, oh, I remember we, that. I remember how much it was. I think it was in the 600s. And, you yeah, know, back then like that was a lot of money. Bucks. Yeah, yeah. And three, uh, three days, essentially two days on the boat. Because uh, the third day is really just, just you know, arriving at Long Beach and get off the boat at 10 a.m. or whatever. Um, and uh, we even tried to get drinks that morning, and they were all closed and cleaning up because we were almost to port. You and I were sitting at the bar like, hey, it's, we're still on a cruise. Like, I'm on the cruise ship, so we want drinks. We were trying to drink even the morning of drop-off. I remember uh, you got a shot there, and uh, you couldn't handle it. Oh, did I throw up? Yeah, you chucked on the, yeah. uh, somewhere. Yeah, that sounds like me. That uh, hard alcohol does not mix well for me, especially dark alcohol. If I'm taking shots of like fucking whiskey or tequila or something like that, like I'm probably gonna throw up. Yeah, this is this was uh, I I remember it was odd because it was the first time I had clear tequila, and I was like, "What is this? This is like this, I I've never seen clear tequila before." But they gave it to us free at that club. This club we went to. And in, that in should have been our first. In Ensenada or on the boat? In, in Ensenada. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, we were like, it was like the last thing that we did, I think, before we started walking back to the boat. Did they do the thing where, they did this, when I was in Cabo, 
and they do a thing where they have a guy that walks around with two bottles and holsters, like six guns, like a cowboy, and a whistle. And he goes up, and and he'll just kind of tilt your head back, pour a bunch of alcohol down your throat while he's holding your head, and shake your head all around and all that, spin you around or whatever, and then pour more alcohol down. The whole time he's blowing his whistle, his referee whistle, and just making a big commotion. And then uh, at the end, you got to give him like five five bucks or ten bucks or whatever. It's a it's a it's a cool thing they do in Mexico. Um, they just accost you, pour alcohol down your throat, and then expect you to pay. Yeah, that was uh, uh, the, uh, an upstairs club that we went to in Rosarita. Did that to you, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, I they remember do that in Rosarito, to too. Yeah. yeah, it's an exclusive Mexican thing. I've never had that anywhere else I've ever vacationed. But in Mexico, they will just assault you, put you in a headlock, pour alcohol down your throat, and then be like, uh, dinero? Uh, where's my money? Yeah, like, and you're dude, like, oh, okay, yeah. I almost I almost just drowned on shitty tequila uh, while you whistled and cheered. But, uh, yeah, here's 10 bucks. Thanks, amigo. Yeah, I remember going to one of those clubs before and saying, like, yeah, no, I don't need a drink. And it's like, uh, no, you need a drink. And it's like, um, okay, I need a drink. <laughs> oh, would you like a drink, sir? No, you want a drink. Uh, okay. And and you're going to buy a drink over here for this person, too. Yeah, yeah, that, that guy over there, he needs a drink, too. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're ordering, too. Like, oh, oh, all right, well, good to know. Yeah. Those were fun trips, man. Um, I'm surprised that we made it through them without having any legal trouble or fucking getting robbed or anything, dude. We 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 poked around like idiots in Mexico quite a bit. Oh, we did. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, it's like you had no fear back then. Just we just lived a life of no fear, going everywhere. Oh, we were just fucking just idiots on parade dude loud and obnoxious and drawing attention to ourselves like i mean vegas though oh vegas vegas was great vegas. uh remember we rented the carts <laughs> those carts and we were the, the little uh <laughs> me and fingers rented one i rented one and fingers rented oh. one i think Dude, so the way that trip actually happened is we were partying at my house not you but your brother uh tups we were partying at my house with a bunch of us after a show or something, I don't know, we were just up partying all night long, literally all night long. And then in the morning around when sun was kind of coming up, we realized that your brother had never been to Vegas. It came up and Tufts was like, oh, yeah, i never been to Vegas. And we, I was just like, well, fucking let's go. Uh, and what, like right now? Yeah, fuck yeah, dude, let's go like right now. I, I had just gotten a, uh, a big commission paycheck from uh, the software company we worked at together and I was a young punk with no bills and a bunch of extra money, like for me, like a couple thousand dollars in extra money in my pocket that was just Vegas money. So I offered to pay for everything. So I was like, yeah, dude, let's go to Vegas. I'll get a hotel. I'll take care of everything. Uh, I even gave Ricky gambling money like his sugar daddy. Uh, and we went to Vegas on a on a whim, like in the fucking early hours of the morning before the sun even came up. So we drove straight out there, uh, called you. Fingers call me or when we no, first when got, you got there. there when you got, we to got the, there you got you got there fingers called me and fingers begged me to go up yeah there. so there must have been a bet going on or something in the background like oh no i can't get derek to come up here oh you, let's see if you can get Derek. and and he was like derek just come up here man please come up here and i was like <laughs> I, i'm like figure i've never heard you talk like this i'm like okay man you got me I, i'll go up there and uh, then next thing you know, Ma, you guys convinced Ma to go up there. 
Yep. So I met Ma and I picked him up and then we drove up there together, I think is what nice. So it was like it was like <laughs> Yeah, this last that was just Vegas trouble, trip. man. We we all just all of us together, we probably shouldn't be allowed together like that, I think. Dude, I remember when we first arrived, it, it was before you got there, like our first stop was the Frontier Hotel. Uh and we walked through the door and um Oh God, who? Oh, it was Chris. So Chris walked through the front door first and fucking finger dude just ran from behind him and just tackled Chris through the front door on the entry, right on the carpet. As soon as you walk into the the entry of the casino, Um, Chris, we all just walked in. Ricky just fucking ran like a linebacker from behind him and just boom, just tackled him and went sliding into the casino on the carpet that way. That was our entrance (laughs) to to Vegas that day. Sounds about uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was stupid. And, um, oh, man, that was a crazy trip, dude. And then, yeah, so once you guys finally arrived, then we went out and rented fucking carts and just drove around drinking because you can just drink tall cans while you drive around in golf carts in Vegas. <laughs> and that was just more idiots on parade. And they had uh, a map where the cart their carts were allowed to go. And they're, the yeah. one place that they weren't allowed to go was the place we decided to go. <laughs> so, yeah, well, there must be something so, cool about that dark area. Let's go there. It was the Palms. We went. Remember, we went to the Palms because they had the oh. best uh, pool there and stuff. And uh, well, and the Palms buffet. is on the opposite side of the freeway, so that's probably why they don't want you going over there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We, that's we, right. We parked that thing over there, and then on the way back, we were totally just shot, and uh, and then we started honking on Las Vegas Boulevard. And just you were honking, or I was driving one, and then um, I think Chris was beside me. And yeah, Chris has no reservations of honking that horn. So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Chris was just honking that horn like crazy, and then you guys started honking the horn behind me. And then next thing you know, every car like I've never seen anything like it. Every car on the boulevard started honking at the same time. Do you remember that? There was like honk. Yeah. Everybody was just honking at the same time. It was so crazy. It was so funny and so fun. Oh yeah, we just kicked off that that whole just thing dude and and i remember ricky was getting mad at chris because ricky was driving the golf cart because he doesn't drink so he was sober he drove the golf cart chris was sitting right next to him in the front seat and he was very drunk and he just kept reaching over to to the steering wheel while ricky was driving and pressing the the horn and ricky eventually just got mad and was like pushing his arm away like chris stop it and chris just kept doing it and kept doing it and like i mean dude it just went on for so long where ricky was like seriously i'm gonna fucking punch you like stop stop pressing the horn but chris couldn't stop he just had to keep pushing it and uh it was very funny yeah (laughs) man yeah i remember we were also trying to fit like we were trying to we have a picture somebody you must have the picture where there's like 12 people because at first we tried to get one right and there was like 12 of us people were standing up on either side i think they probably came out and said no nah, you guys you guys need to be all seated you guys need two carts we're like no nah, come on we're good <laughs> oh, so yeah we man. got two two carts and we barely fit in that too i think but uh, oh my god we look like a, like a group of terrorists in afghanistan where like they're just all fucking like 14 of them on a tiny little toyota tacoma or something and they're just standing on the running boards and Eight of them in the bed of the truck, just piled up on top of that thing. <laughs> I would be yeah. terrified if I saw if Fuck I saw yeah. us coming down the street and I was just like 
you know, me, and I'd be like, oh, shit, what are, what are these hooligans going to do? <laughs> Just raving lunatics honking the horn. <laughs> piled like clowns onto a golf cart. Uh, Dude, everyone with a tall can in their hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> Those were fun days. They really were. Oh, man. You know what's funny, too? It's like we could say, like, oh, we should do that again, dude, but it would never be the same. It's not even worth trying. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, Ma was there, too, I remember. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, I remember we would we were walking down uh, a casino, and um, there was a whole bunch of computers unrestricted to the Internet, just all, like, in this big, long hallway, and somebody decided to go and put some very inappropriate things up on the uh the computer monitor and was like, oh dear. Oh, 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 I wonder who would do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't who know. Maybe it's the that. guy who put a put a penis on my homepage. <laughs> oh man. Maybe that man, guy. Damn that guy. It probably was oh, that SOB. Oh yeah. dude, that guy. That yeah. guy, man. Yep. Oh shit. That's funny, dude. That's funny. Those were crazy trips. Yeah, oh, they were. Shit. They were so much dude. fun. Speaking of Vegas, this makes me think of Vegas, and I don't know why, actually, now that I break it down, but, like, I think of gangsters when I think of Vegas, and uh, I was I was following an auction of Al Capone's personal items of, oh, shit, what was it, dude? It's like, he has a few granddaughters that are still alive, and they inherited all of his shit, and they put on an auction a week or so ago here in California where they were auctioning off a bunch of Al Capone's, like, personal items, and... It included all sorts of stuff, like uh, several guns. One of the guns was apparently his favorite gun, however true that is. That's that's how they presented it in the auction. And it was like this 45, um, uh, 45 caliber pistol that was apparently his favorite gun. That gun ended up selling at the auction for a million bucks, or almost a million bucks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Holy cow. And then some other stuff, too, of Al Capone's, dude, like nonsense shit like furniture and whatever and and uh uh one of the things that was kind of cool was a letter that he wrote to his son from Alcatraz like a handwritten letter by Al Capone from Alcatraz to his son which is kind of cool yeah yeah that's a trip kind of um, a trip right that's funny his his favorite gun is a 45 he wasn't messing around huh no 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 not at all that, that'll do some damage you probably like a he probably have a desert eagle nowadays if he was Still around. Dude, then I wonder, too, like a guy like Al Capone, like I'm sure he got his hands dirty, probably more so in his early days than his later days, but he seems like the kind of dude who had people do things. I don't know how much he actually did himself. Um, whether or not that's better or just as bad, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I wonder how much of his reputation is embellished or things attributed to him that were done by other people, but just because he was the big name, the big kingpin, uh, he gets the blame, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, but I bet you're right, though. He he must have been many, many layers removed from things that business that well, had to be taken care of, right? That's that's like the smart thing to do when you're at that level. And then even when he finally got brought down, like when he was arrested and sent to Alcatraz, it wasn't for murder or theft or any gangster shit. It was tax evasion. Oh, right. Yeah, that's how they had to Which, get him, huh? Yeah, yeah. They finally got him on tax evasion. And uh, went away to Alcatraz. And um, you ever been to Alcatraz? I've been there. It's crazy. No, I haven't. I've just seen like a, documentaries like on a, it. It's like a time capsule. It's when, when you go there, it feels like you've been there already. Because it looks exactly like it does in the movies. 
and in the documentaries, like you've seen it so much that when you pull up to it and you see the the island, it just feels like, yeah, that's that's kind of exactly what I expected. I mean, it's cool and impressive and like, oh, wow, but you just, I don't know. And then even going in there and standing in the aisles of the cells, it feels like you've been there before. Maybe um, you have been there before, Mike. Maybe in another life you were, you were a gangster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, oh, this particular cell feels especially familiar. Huh, that's weird. Maybe you're Al Capone. Maybe I was. Maybe I mean, that's why I was interested in that auction. You know what is interesting, too, is I, I listened to an interview about one of his granddaughters who was doing the auction. They interviewed her, and they were kind of like, uh, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you selling all these personal items? And she was like, hey, you know, I'm fucking old, and, and uh, uh, there's no one to, for it to go to before. I, I want to make sure that it's preserved and, and all that kind of standard response. But also, I, I need the money. Like, she was honest. Like, yeah. you know, this stuff valuable, and I'm old, and, and you know, I want the money, and also, I want to make sure the stuff stays safe because she lived in, like, Northern California and she's had to evacuate her home multiple times because of wildfires and that sort of thing. She so, wants to make sure it stays safe in somebody else's house? Oh, well, it preserved yeah. at least by somebody who cares about yeah. it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably, right? I mean, so mm -hmm. maybe maybe museums or big collectors or whatever. But they asked her, well, do you feel like stuff like this should be sold at auction? Like, should we be idolizing a guy who's famous for essentially being a criminal and a murderer or at least, you know, being on the wrong side of the law? Should we be revering a guy like this and selling his personal items as historical uh, as historical items? Like, is that moral? And, you know, th there's no good answer to that, right? That's a multi-layered, multi-perspective sort of an answer. But her answer was... She tap danced around it a little bit like, oh, well, you know, I mean, there's some things that that uh, he's been blamed for that he didn't really do or may not have done and whatever. And then she even said something like uh, anybody he was responsible for killing was involved in the same business he was. So that doesn't make it exactly wrong. And that's a weird perspective. But. The interviewer even threw out something like, oh, yeah, because one of the guys killed in the Valentine's Day massacre was like a government employee. And she was like, well, yeah, she kind of changed the subject. <laughs> well, it's one, it, leave it to 2021 to cancel Al Capone's daughter and cancel Al Capone. He can't be cool yeah. anymore, even though they've made countless movies over him, right? Yeah. But now yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, we got to cancel Al Capone. We got to cancel Al Capone's daughter. We got to cancel all of it. Well, and is, and is there is there anything new about making a celebrity or an icon out of someone who's famous for bad reasons, right? Well, I mean, I mean look how much money they made on it, and people went to the movie. Should we cancel them? Right. You know, should oh, we yeah, yeah. cancel Doc yeah. Holiday too? Is Doc Holiday like uh, cancelable? We need to figure that out. Yeah, now they need a disclaimer on the beginning of Tombstone, like, hey, th this guy's a bad guy, just saying. Like, you can still watch Tombstone, but just so you know, uh, these guys killed people, and they're bad, so... Well, we no, if you watch it, you now. should be canceled, too. Oh, We should cancel oh, yeah. them. You're not allowed yeah. to watch it. Yeah. You're contributing to the problem. Yeah, I think the, the, the answer is, is that uh, if anybody is interested enough to buy an item, then it's worthy of of being collected... For its historical value, whether or not you look at the guy and go, oh, well, he's bad. You can't collect his personal items as as being historically valuable. Uh, that's not the case, because, I mean, if if anything that Hitler, I mean, not Hitler. Fuck, what am I thinking of, of of Caesar, like Julius Caesar, if anything he touched or used or owned was still around, it would absolutely be a super valuable, almost invaluable item. 
And a lot of people can argue that Caesar was a terrible guy. And a lot of people would argue that he's a great guy, you know? So it's all like perspective and, and, uh, you can spin it in a lot of different ways. And like, what, what is the, uh, you're going to get arrested for like selling Al Capone's gun? Like it's, it's kind of free speech, right? It's like, I, totally. I'm allowed to sell this thing if I want, I'm allowed to buy uh, it if I want. It's an well, item. Like, I mean, I don't, and if, and know. if, and if everyone feels like it's wrong to sell Al Capone's items, then no one will bid on them. But if someone out there wants to buy them, then I'll put them up for auction. Yep, that's the way it should work. And that's the way it did work. Yeah, she put up all of his shit for auction. There was a few hundred items, I think. I think total, the auction brought in like three or four million bucks. Uh, highest value thing was that favorite gun, that forty-five pistol that went for almost a million. I think it went for like seven or 800000 and then auction house fees bumped it up over to a million. So if that's the case, they they profited like a quarter million bucks on that sale. Crazy. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Auction houses yeah. do take a good cut on that. Yeah, crazy, man. Crazy, crazy. Uh-huh. That, that's, that's a pretty big chunk. But I don't know, kind of cool. Dude, and yeah. then auctions. Uh, weird thing to be on. But I was listening to a story today, this morning actually, about... The biggest triceratops skeleton ever found was found in South Dakota, and they're calling it Big John, which is weird, but whatever. So they found this gigantic, super complete, biggest triceratops skeleton ever found in South Dakota. They just auctioned it off to a private bidder for like seven million bucks. And I don't like that. Yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. I, I don't like that at all. Like, I totally am fine with Al Capone, personal items, historical items, human things. Like, totally fine. Uh, whether the guy was good or bad or whatever, that's up to the buyer. If he wants to buy shit, um, that's on him. Um, the seller and the buyer, uh, if they want to sell it, if they want to buy it, cool. But I don't like that a private buyer can buy something as significant as this, the largest, most complete triceratops skeleton ever found. And it's an anonymous buyer meaning I assume that some guy's just going to put this thing on display in his mansion uh, or at least have full rights over what's done with it or how it's kept or how it's preserved or whether it's viewable or not. This private buyer has full control. He owns it. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah, what if he just decides to make a bonfire and just burn the entire thing? Like, what guarantee do we have that he's going to preserve it? It's Maybe he property. wants to, like... Yeah, maybe he wants to hit the, the the newspapers and he's just going to do something crazy with it and just, I don't know, burn it or play baseball with it or some stupid crap like that. Um, I agree with yeah. you. It needs yeah, to be preserved. No, I, don't, I don't like it. And and even if he does maybe have good intentions, who's to say that he's going to hire a good enough, you know, uh, fossil preservation expert to do it? Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't like it. I want that in a museum. I think that belongs to everybody. And it belongs to humans as a whole, not even just the U.S. Because it was found in the U.S. Like um, that—that's I don't know, dude. I don't like it. I don't know where I draw that line, but dinosaur remains uh, definitely fall into the. That to me is is community property of our entire society as a globe, and that needs to be preserved by experts and studied by experts and made available for all of us to go see um, in a museum. What if he's buying it in order to get the bone marrow in order to do cloning of it so he can clone some triceratops? Oh, yeah, like the old guy in Jurassic Park? Yeah. I mean, cool. 
Maybe he's I'd like that overseen own. by a panel of experts before this guy goes <laughs> drilling into these fucking bones, you know? Like, I'm totally cool with that. That's awesome. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like that they just auctioned off this skeleton, though. Yeah, what, what is he going to do with it? Like, I, I kind of want to know that. Like, it's that's we don't obviously even know who he is. enormous. He's anonymous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, dude, the pictures of it, Google it. It's fucking amazing. Google Big John Triceratops. It is an amazing skeleton. So I when mean, was that? That was recently They found it in 2014, I guess. Uh, first, they found this monster head, and then it took a long time for them to unearth the rest of the bones, you know, because they basically dig it out with tiny makeup brushes or however paleontologists do it. They just don't dig up the bones, right? They got to do it by just kind of brushing away the dust little by little. So it takes a lot of years to unearth a whole skeleton. Seven um, million is a bargain. That is not right. You no. know, that's the man hours, like you're saying, to get that, to excavate that itself is worth 50 million probably. And I don't know how it works, dude. Like some university or uh, paleontological organization probably funded the people's effort to study and dig up and, and get these bones, I assume, but then someone owns it and they have the right to auction it off to some private bidder. That fucking yeah, all yeah. feels wrong, dude. I don't, I don't like it. It's yeah. It's almost like a taxpayer kind of funding, you know, you know, there's gotta be a little bit of taxpayer money in there too. Yeah. Government grants. Totally. There's gotta be uh, yeah, there, there has to be somewhere. And, and even if not, even if some private organization or university funded the, the unearthing like that's, that's that's like a super precious uh, artifact that needs to be preserved. That's not like, oh, hey, who's going to pay the most for it? All right, cool. We're going to put it in a truck and drop it off at your house. You own this triceratops skeleton. Huh. I don't like that. I mean, and that, that belongs in a museum. Yeah, yeah, I don't like boot. that part of it either. I don't like the mm-hmm. anonymous thing. Like, I would like it if it's like, hey, I'm the guy who bought it, and here are my plans, world, who is also concerned about this amazing discovery. Rest assured that it's in good hands, and I have good intentions, and I'll hire the best of the best to preserve and uh, maintain it, make sure it's safe, and here are my plans to let the 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 people enjoy it uh, or, you know, license it out to to museums for a certain amount of time or I don't know something dude I don't like the guy I don't like the idea that an anonymous guy just bought it and he owns it and it's his now I don't like it yeah he's burning it he's burning it fossil fuels man yeah there it is (laughs) oh god well on that note uh let's wrap it up D this was a ton of fun yeah, man. It's always so much fun talking to you. It's been a while, dude. It, it, it's been a couple of weeks since we did a podcast, and it feels like like a really long time. I was really looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah, me too, man. I can't wait to put this thing up. Shit. Well, all right. We will do that. And uh, you enjoy the family this weekend. You guys got any big plans? You doing anything? No, not really. No, just uh, a lot of nothing, probably. I'm really that looking forward to it. Nice to me. What, what about you? You guys doing anything? No, just hang out. Probably go to the park or poke around or hang out and do something. Oh, actually, I got a cousin that's getting married on Monday, a Monday wedding. So uh, this weekend we'll probably just chill, but Monday we are going to a wedding. Oh, yeah, I'm speechless. (laughs) (laughs) Never never heard of such, but... On a Monday. It's one of those where they just put the date on the invitation and then you're like, oh, okay, cool. So October uh, 25th or whatever it is. And then you uh, look it up on a calendar and go, huh, I wonder if they know that's a Monday. 
That's, yeah. that's a Monday. Could have, could have been a mistake. That's the most plausible answer to me in my logical mind is that they picked a day. Uh, wait, let me let me just look. So it's this coming up the 25th? Yeah, it's Monday. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they have something with the number 25. Maybe they met uh, on October 25th. No, I think it is a, uh, you know, Monday's just the least expensive day to do it. And wedding venues oh. are super expensive. So it's like, right. hey, fucking Monday. Like everyone can take the afternoon off and come to our wedding on a Monday and save <laughs> us thousands of dollars. I think that's the idea. Oh, I'm going to stop right there. That is, <laughs> that's it. That's the most, that's yeah, the best so that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're going to a wedding on Monday, Monday wedding. Well, have fun taking a uh, time off and yeah. uh, going to a wedding. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I will. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, great to talk to you. Say Me hi to too. the family. Thanks, man. Say hi to Sarah right, and, and the family. All right, see you. Cool, buddy. man. Take it Good. easy, brother. Later. Hey, this is Mike. Thanks a lot for listening. We really hope you're enjoying the show. We have a great time doing it for you. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Derek and Mike Pod or on our website, DerekandMike.com. And uh, don't forget to subscribe or follow the show in your podcast app. That would be super cool. Helps us out a ton. And it also makes sure that you get notified every time we put out a new episode. Also, if you know of anyone else who might like the show, share it with a friend. Tell someone who might dig it. That would be super cool. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us. Uh, We really appreciate you. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. And until then, have a good one.